0: Coming up, Luke Weaver is gone, but Emmanuel Rivera is here. Ryan Stiles of Locked On Royals is here to break him down. That is not the video. Where is my intro?
1: You are a Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The Always Charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist, and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there. You can see all my latest work from my packages, to my articles, to my photos, and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorTom24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And, of course, thank you for making Backs your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. Today's episode is actually brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. And we got some big news to talk about, of course, MLB trade deadline. D-backs are making moves. Luke Weaver just got traded to the Kansas City Royals. So to break down that trade from both sides, both perspectives, we brought on Ryan Styles of Locked On Royals. Let me get my little name out of here. Get that out of here. Ryan, how are you doing today, sir? MLB trade deadline day. We're recording this on Tuesday. It'll probably drop Wednesday, but how are you feeling today, sir?
1: I'm feeling good. It's always exciting, even though our teams aren't in it necessarily for the play and chase. It's still an exciting day for baseball. I mean, we're going to have a superstar Juan Soto moved, and it's just going to kind of reshape the way we think about the rest of the season. So it's very exciting. I am happy to be here, but we do have a very important trade to announce on the lower scale for the Royals and Diamondbacks that we're going to dive into as well. So I'm excited, man
0: yeah for our two teams it's still a pretty interesting day because our teams are going to be active it just we're the sellers of the market right where where teams are coming to us and they say what what players can we poach from your team to help round out the edges of our roster for our playoff run so it's always kind of a sad day for teams like us because it's like what fan favorites are going to be leaving our teams today which players have we really enjoyed that might not be on this roster any longer. So it could be a sad day for us. But we did get one trade. And I don't think I was too sad to see it happen because the D-backs and the Kansas City Royals made a trade. Luke Weaver to the Royals coming back is third baseman Emmanuel Rivera. And this was basically just like a straight up one-for-one one swap. This was not the D-backs trying to get any prospects back for Luke Weaver, try to salvage the deal that they made for Paul Goldschmidt a few years ago. This was not the Royals saying, uh, yeah, this is a young guy who has been on the major league level, hasn't really taken a step up, but maybe we could get a couple of young guys back for him. This was just a straight up trade between two teams that are saying, these are two young players that were just kind of both probably over in our own organization. And maybe they could um, progress someone out, uh, progress somewhere else, and maybe finally turn around their career with someone else.
1: Yeah. I, I think that it's just a classic case of just change of scenery where mm-hmm. the, the, the Royals are betting on Luke Weaver uh, on a change of scenery with a new organization, new pitching staff, a new pitching coaches and everything, maybe he can turn it around. I mean, he has some things you might like, like that 78th percentile spin rate. And then for the D-backs, they're going to take a chance on Emmanuel Rivera, who has uh, hit in spurts at the major league level. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, I mean, at least for the Royals, it feels like, hey, we got a surplus of infielders. Let's trade away this infield. that has some pot potential to to kind of bounce back for an arm that could bounce back as well. Just kind of a flyer for each side on, on a, a position of need, at least for the Royals. Uh, they need as many arms as they can get.
0: Yeah, let me first start with the D-backs' perspective of why they would... why. Well, let me start from here. Why would the D-backs want Emmanuel Rivera? What have you seen? Is it... And why, like, why are the Royals moving off of him, and why do you think the D-backs would even want him? Has there been something from his minor leagues that he was really good at? Has there been anything that maybe he's flashed on the major league level? Like, As a D-backs fan, should I be excited about Emmanuel Rivera at all?
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I was excited about Amir Rivera for the rest of the season for the Royals. So uh, for the D-backs, I would be very excited just because I think that he plays a serviceable uh, amount of defense where uh, I don't think he's ever going to win a gold glove, obviously. But uh, he's also, I think, above average in the field, which helps a lot. I think that he can be a guy who who can, at the peak of his ceiling, be like the sixth or seventh guy in your lineup that helps you uh, turn the lineup back over to the top of the order. I think that he has everyday ballplayer potential. Uh, and I think that his floor is a, a nice uh, utility piece off the bench for Major League Club. I think that he's a Major League player uh, for sure. Uh, but the Royals just couldn't really find that consistency with him uh, in the terms of their lineup and in terms of just the amount of p- people that they prioritize over him. You're going to prioritize Bobby Witt Jr. over him. You're going to prioritize Hunter Dozier over him. You're going to pr- prioritize Whit Merrifield over him, Nicky Lopez over him. If Mondesi's ever healthy, he's going to be over him. You've drafted guys like Nick Lofton in the minor league still. Uh, MJ Melendez, of course, can bounce all over the diamond. And then, uh, you know, you have Mino Vera then slotting in a lot later in this process. So it's just a case of, you know, he can't be an everyday ball player. But again, like I said earlier, I think that it's just two teams switching um, a, a flyer, you know, a flyer player at a more position of need for each organization.
0: Yeah, and I think another reason why the D-backs did it might just be because Toy Lavelle is very old school with how he manages games, and he just loves the, if I have a lefty on the mound, I'm putting a whole bunch of right-handed hitters in the lineup and vice versa. So I think it might just be a platoon situation for Rivera mostly because I wasn't too happy to see a major league third baseman coming back because I want to see Josh Rojas get as many opportunities as possible at third base. And now that just might clog his opportunities just a little bit like as a D-backs fan I want to see as much Josh Rojas as possible he's been the best player from that Zach Greinke deal and he's having a really good solid season for the D-backs so far so from that standpoint I was like oh, why are we getting another third baseman like the D-backs so far I've only traded for catchers and third baseman I'm like can we please get a pitcher in the building in any one of these returns but going to the royal side like why are, are you happy to see Luke Weaver coming back in because I know as a D-backs fan like I'm not too upset to see Luke Weaver leaving the building
1: yeah. I mean, I, I texted you immediately after this trade went down and I was like, dude, I'm very excited about this move. Should I be excited? And uh, if you want to reveal what you said, I, I won't throw you under the bus. But I was very excited about this, mainly because for the Royals, you you just need arms in your organization because you've seen your investments in first round arms not pan out so far. Now, Bubich and Singer having a great last three, four starts and they're kind of turning it on a bit. Daniel Lynch has shown you some things. John Haisley's shown you some things. But you still need just more opportunities. You need more darts to throw at the wall. And Luke Weaver, I think, represents that. And from the Royals' perspective, too, uh, we mentioned they get a new organization. And about three months when the season's over, they'll get a new pitching coach, too, because I believe that the Royals will fire their pitching coach, Kyle Eldridge, and bring someone better in. And so can that guy, whoever it is that they bring in as a pitching coach, can he uh, work with that 70th percentile spin rate on his fastball and try to get something going uh, with Luke Weaver. So I'm excited for the chance at Luke Weaver, but uh, I know that you were excited to see him leave.
0: Yeah, because you bring up the pitching coach. That's why I'm like, I don't know if Luke Weaver can turn it around because the D-backs had the pitching whisper and Brent Strom on their roster already. So if Brent Strom's turned multiple dudes into Cy Young Award winners, if he couldn't help out Luke Weaver in his career, then I'm like, I, I don't know if Luke Weaver is ever going to be fake, fi- uh, going to be able to Basically turn around and get back to where where he was in 2019, where he flashes maybe, you know, a number two, number three starter in a rotation. And then we haven't really seen it. So if Luke Weaver is able to bring some jewelry and some championship rings to the Kansas City Royals one day, that would be a phenomenal turnaround. And speaking of rings, the best place to get your fine jewelry at this time of year is BlueNile.com because... Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at Blue Nile has simple online tools that let to you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bent jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry by having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7 available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to, 40, save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured. Ships free and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenow.com today. Now, the thing with Luke Weaver that I wasn't a huge fan of since 2019, he's basically become like a two-pitch guy. He used to try to work on some more off-speed pitches. He tried to go with like a four-pitch arsenal when he was younger. But over the years, really during that 2020 season, he just started to move toward a two-pitch guy. And I think it just kind of made him too predictable um, in that sense. So. How do you project Luke Weaver going forward with the Royals? Do you see him as maybe like a two-pitch reliever for you guys in a bullpen because that's the way he was kind of doing this year for the D-backs doing more reliever? Or do you think the Royals might try to get him back to that being a front-line potential or like a more mid-rotation kind of a guy? Because that was what he was projected to be as a prospect coming up through the rankings. So how do you project Luke Weaver's career going forward with the Kansas City Royals?
1: I think it's interesting because the Royals can fit him in – and a multitude of spots because they need a back-end star. They need a front-end star. They need a mid-rotation mid, uh, guy. But they also need a lot of spots in that bullpen. And the one area that Kansas City has been consistently good at in these last five, six, seven years, of course, dating back to that 2013, 14, 15, uh, 16 run, was constructing a bullpen under Dayton Moore. And uh, in 2014, 2015, it was historically great in the bullpen. And a lot of those guys, uh, as they often are, were failed starters. Wade Davis came over from Tampa Bay. Couldn't really cut it as a starter in Tampa Bay. The Royals gave him another shot to start. Didn't really do great. Didn't do terrible, but didn't do great. Put him in the bullpen. He has a he has the best season as a, as a closer anyone's ever anyone's ever had. So they do have examples of guys who they trade who don't look great on their other team, and then they put him in their system, in their bullpen, and all of a sudden they utilize him to the point where they can break out in the pen. So I do think when it's all said and done, Luke Weaver will be a bullpen arm for Kansas city. And they're hoping that he'll be another one that's in line to be a back in the bullpen type of guy after failing at his first stop.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Luke Weaver. Very interesting guy. We'll see how he progresses with the Kansas city Royals, but I think we should talk about some breaking news we have during this podcast, Ryan, because it's going to be the biggest news from MLB trade deadline, and it just came down. Jeff Passant's got the bomb. It looks like Juan Soto and Josh Bell are headed to the San Diego Padres, and it looks like the Nationals got the whole coup: Mackenzie Gore, Robert Ansel, C.J. Abrams, James Wood, they got all the prospects back from the Padres, as they should have in the Juan Soto deal. Plus, the Padres are also getting Josh Bell in the deal. What's your instant reaction? To the mega trade finally going down,
1: it just feels kind of light, and that sounds strange because, like, it it sounds strange. But when you factor in that they're getting Josh Bell and Juan Soto, Mm -hmm. and they and they trade a a ton of prospects, obviously. But let's face it, like, prospects typically don't don't pan out. At least not all of them. Obviously, Uh, they traded away their one, four, and ten prospect. I believe it was. As 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 of what we know right now, and they also gave away a Mackenzie Gore who who's been solid, but by no means has lit the world on fire in the major leagues. So whenever you give away your one, two, four, and ten prospect for Soto and Josh Bell, and you have Soto for three pennant chases, that is well worth it if you are the San Diego Padres if you can afford to do it and your ownership signs off on paying the big bucks and, and taking on this team that now has Soto and Machado and Tatis and everyone else then trading away 12410 for Soto and Josh Bell two players who are going to enhance your lineup in a massive way uh, because now you get Hosmer out of that lineup and everything else Yeah. and now you get Soto in that lineup uh, you know, to do that and only go at McKinsey Gore your 12410 that is a a steal for the for the Padres all things considered especially again cuz you get three tries at it if you're San Diego not just yeah, one yeah.
0: And I don't disagree with the prospect take because I'm like the anti-prospect guy over here on the podcast. I'm like, yeah, if it's a superstar, then you trade your prospects because I think it depends on the level of talent. I'm not just trading anybody. I'm not doing what the D-backs did where they traded the number one pick and a bunch of guys for Shelby Miller. Shelby Miller is not the kind of guy to do that prospect deal for. But Juan Soto who is maybe uh, what could be a top 10 talent all time in Major League Baseball. He's like the the, the king of walks right now in Major League Baseball right next to Mike Trout. Um, you give up everything for that, dude you give up the farm. And if you're the Padres, like, yeah, the three pennant chases you mentioned, but like him and Tatis just together and Manny Machado, like people forget Manny Machado is only 30 years old. This is still someone that's like pretty young and still in the prime of his career. So, the trio of Machado Soto and Tatis like that's going to be what another seven eight years and just the duo of Soto and Tatis like that could be another 10 to 15 years of just those two together so if you're a San Diego Padres fan like you got your trio of stars locked up for the future maybe Juan Soto's not locked up yet but I don't see why the Padres wouldn't like if you're the Padres or just any team right now in the open market and you see Juan Soto like what number are you comfortable giving Juan Soto do you think would you go the 14 years 500 million dollars like, what's your philosophy when it comes to contract and big money deals?
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. You get three years before you even worry about, um, you know, the, the the contract for Soto and, and and extending him. Like, if he if he wants to leave and just doesn't like San Diego, he's still under control for three years. Like, if this is not a rental by any means. So that's why I feel like the prospect thing is not a big deal because the odds are at least one of those top ten guys aren't going to pan out. And if the rest of them do, that's great for Washington. But you also gave up one of your other big commodities in josh bell and took back eric cosmer that was just announced uh one second ago so the final oh, haul ends up being, yeah the final hall ends up being mckenzie gore uh, robert Hazely, cj abrams james wood uh juran susan and then eric Hosmer to the nationals that's it for soto and, and it's not just soto it's bell too because if you would have traded bell to the to the astros you would have gotten their what probably their fourth and fifth uh, prospect without having to take on Hosmer's contract either like I, I don't know it just seems a, a little bit light considering the hype that there was around this epic return for Soto
0: doesn't it always kind of feel light when you see these superstar trades though when you look at the Mookie Betts deal you look at the Nolan Arenado deal you could look at the Paul Goldschmidt deal like most of these deals the Manny Machado deal like there's really like I I, I pound this point a lot on the pod like Don't trade your franchise superstars if you don't have to. If the star is like, yeah, I'm leaving next offseason, you could either trade me now or I could walk away from nothing. Then, yeah, at that point, if you're getting a guarantee, I'm not returning from your star, then you trade them. But if it's just because you don't want to pay the dude or you guys are just like maybe just uh, a little bit apart on contract negotiations, like I think you have to do whatever you can to keep superstar players in the building because you never get the return back you want. And if you – are trading for a bunch of prospects back, like you're hoping one of those guys hits into the player you just traded away. And most likely that's just not going to be the case. So just from the idea of trading prospects for superstars, I've never just been a, a big fan of trading away my superstar for prospects. I think in the end of the day, yeah, most of those deals are, aren't going to work out. Like you look at the Tigers, they had to start spending money this offseason because they blew up their team back in what, 2017, 2018. And they've really haven't been able to um, – you know they haven't been able to rebuild you know through the draft through free agency whatever they're now starting to spend money to try to rebuild that organization but the the Verlander deals and the Max Scherzer deals and the JD Martinez's deals like those guys didn't really net back any prospects that are helping that team right now So that's why I'm like yeah just give me superstar players I feel like if I was a GM I feel like I would just fleece teams all day because it doesn't take a lot to get a, a superstar player from another team when you've seen the recent deals that's happened in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. And and two, it's different for every sport, because especially in baseball, the Nationals had what top five, top 10 player in the sport when Juan Soto, whatever you want to market him as, uh, however you want to rank him. And they're terrible. Mm -hmm. And and so it's obvious that if only one or two of these prospects that you get back pan out, that's not going to help your win total all that much. It's everything you do in the margins that's going to help you now in basketball. One guy can carry you to the finals. One guy, if you get one just superstar out of your seven first round picks that you got back for trading away your top guy, then it was all worth it. And you have nine years of control of that guy versus, you know, two years of control of of your superstar. But in baseball, whenever it takes 26, you honestly with injuries, it takes like 30 guys to go in a world series and it takes the flukiness of it. I mean, you're talking to the host of Lockdown Royals who watched two fluky world series runs that ended in one ring. Uh, you know, so I know all about the flukes and luckily the world's benefited from them. Uh, but you know, it, when it takes the fluke and it takes not, you know, and it takes where even if you have a top five guy in baseball, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to automatically be in the playoffs, much less the world series. Look at the angels who have, who has two of them uh, over there and they can't get to the playoffs to where you're, you're right. I, I just, I, I don't see the the point in, in it bait in baseball, especially in other sports. It makes more sense. But when you switch the mindset into baseball, it just, it doesn't really make that that much sense at all.
0: I think the biggest issue in baseball, it's hard to like figure out the value of these superstar players and how much they should go for. There's no like there's no like standard in baseball where you can look at this trade I should then make uh, I should then get this back in return for this player based off this trade that happened over here. Because in basketball, like you look at these superstar trades and it's like the the return makes sense. When you look at the A D trade, you got back all the players and all the prospects. Rudy Gobert trade. You got back all the picks and pretty much any superstar trade that's happened in basketball. You're getting back a young, a couple young players and you're getting back a whole bunch of first round picks. There's like a framework to work with when you look at NBA superstar trades. In baseball, it just whatever the team feels like doing basically that day is going to be um, the trade. Some teams are very aggressive and they're getting back three of the top five prospects or something like that. And some teams are like just give us back one blue chipper and just give, give us back one guy we've seen on the major league level. Just give us back two guys we've seen on the major league level and neither one of them have to be blue chip prospects so i think trying to figure out the value of trades in baseball for superstar players it's just really tough because there's no like framework in baseball as opposed to like the nba or the nfl when we see um superstar trades go down and it's trade deadline day so we're going to see a whole bunch of other trades going on but if you want to place a bet of Where do you think the next trade is going to be? Who do you think is going to be moved next? You need to head to betonline.net because it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds. Lines and games, found reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Betterline continues to be the top online resource for your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Betterline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. line where the game starts. Now, Ryan, so far, there's been a lot of craziness from the trade deadline. And is there a move you like, a a team that you think is a winner so far, or you could even take it another way? Is there a move you hate or a team that you're just like, what the hell are you doing right now?
1: Yeah, I I find it interesting about the Brewers trading hater. Uh, I know that haters had kind of a a struggle of late. and, And I think that there was a stat where like he's been bad in the last month. But still, the Brewers are a division leader right now, and they're firmly in the playoffs right now. And as I just mentioned, I'm a firm believer that baseball, even more so than any sport besides maybe hockey, you just have to get into the into the dance yeah. because you'll have a, a, a ball perfectly you'll wrap around the third baseline like Salvador Perez did in the wild card game. You'll have a Gold Glove shortstop boot a ball and spark a rally for you. You'll have just Lucas Duda not be able to throw to the to home plate like any little leader could like you'll have those moments where a team that's not as good or a team that's not the best team win a world series because they were just in the right place at the right time to where if I have a chance to go to the playoffs, I'm going to take that chance. and I'm going to take it with my, with my best guys. And I think that Hater, uh, even though we struggled recently is your best guy. So I find that interesting to sell, you know, and again, it, it's different in every sport. Like if you're the eight seed in basketball, you're not going to win. The, you're not going to win the NBA finals. So if you trade one of your best guys, it's not that big of a deal, but in baseball, whenever it's so fluky and so random, I would have liked to see a division leader keep one of their best guys. Uh, but other than that, I do like the Yankees picking up an attendee a lot. I think that he really mm-hmm. rounds out the, that lineup, especially now that Soto's off the market and going to the Padres. Uh, but but so far, this trade with San Diego has been my favorite because I just I think that that return is not backbreaking. That returns not going to end the Padres organization or hamper them for twenty years. It's going to get you three pennant chases at least with Soto, and if you re-sign him, if you re-sign him, then there's no more debating if you won or lost, no matter how the prospects turn out, because they're not going to be top five players in baseball. They're just not, and that's what Juan Soto is. So, So I think that the San Diego trade is now the number one, and I have a hard time seeing anyone top it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Padres are definitely the winners of the deadline so far when you combine all their moves, but I feel like I actually have the zag on the Josh Hader deal, because I feel like it all depends on how you value closers. I feel like closers have become kind of overrated in today's game I feel like there's a lot of guys that throw 95 to 100 miles an hour they could put in the back end of your bullpen and be a pretty serviceable closer for you so I'm the Brewers like actually didn't hate the move from their perspective when I first saw it I was like whoa the Padres are getting Josh Hader like a- another phenomenal move but when I actually saw the return like I didn't hate it for the Brewers like Taylor Rogers, I feel like is like the poor man's the middle man's Josh Hader in terms of his strikeout rate got to Nelson Lamet who has struggled with injuries the last couple of years but back in 2020 or whatever it was he was like a young candidate who flashed a lot for the Padres. he got back like a number seven prospect in the organization, like a number twenty five prospect. Like if you don't think you're gonna re-sign Josh Hader, like I didn't think it was a terrible, a terrible return for him. And if you don't think closers in general are as valuable as they might have been back in the day, like I don't hate the move. I feel like there's a lot of relievers that you could pick up and put in the back end of your bullpen to be a closer. And just looking at like Josh Hader's numbers, like of course he's like basically the best strikeout artist of maybe ever, but in terms of run prevention two of the last three years he's been good but he hasn't been elite at it so maybe maybe he's not uh, maybe the the strikeout numbers uh, inflate a little bit of our perception of Josh Hader. I don't know. We'll see what he does with San Diego Padres. Is If he gets back to what he was doing the first month and a half of the season where he literally had like a 0.0 ERA, then uh, he could just shut me up right away. But he did just come off a pretty bad month, so it is pretty interesting. But the Yankees are also loading up, like you said, the Ben Tendi deal. The Frankie Montez deal was really nice. I think the team that I hate the most so far from this trade deadline, I've talked about it a bunch on this podcast, is just the Boston Red Sox. I just hate everything they're doing. I just hate the whole vibe and, and energy around the organization right now. You trade Mookie Betts away. That pretty much started it all when we brought the new GM in front office in and you're like, we're just going to change our whole philosophy. I know we have a core right now of great talent and a team that could win a championship, but no, we're going to trade Mookie Betts and then guess what? A couple years from now we're going to be two games away from the World Series and instead of trying to improve our team, we're going to tell our best players, yeah, we might not re-sign you, Rafael Devers and Daniel De Bogarts and then as we get closer to the trade deadline, we're just going to start selling off our best players. Vasquez, who's a long the longest tenured player goodbye Vasquez JD Martinez he's available he's on the block like on the Red Sox like you had this core of great players starting with Mookie Betts and if you just kept that core and kept adding to it you could have had a consistent championship contender and be at least in the championship series probably for the next five years and even just going back to this past offseason if you just picked up a starting pitcher or two that was of value or maybe a couple relievers and just grounded out some of the edges to your team like you were two games away from the world series last year and now you're like let's just blow it up and start all start all over and start the rebuilding process like i don't understand why they have to rebuild when they have such great players on their team already
1: yeah and that sentiment is shared by everyone i've seen that that covers or likes or is a fan of the red sox so i think that you're spot on there
0: yeah, it's been an interesting trade deadline so far. And I think the baseball trade deadline, no, I think it's pretty good. How would you compare it to the NBA tra- trade deadline? Because I know you do the Locked on Thunder podcast as well. So which one for you is more exciting or appealing? Because I feel like baseball trade deadline might actually have the NBA trade deadline.
1: Yeah, this is the area where I think that baseball's trade deadline and baseball in general wins over every other sport. I think that, I mean, I, I can't touch on hockey. I don't know much about hockey at all, but. In terms of football, basketball, baseball, this is the area that baseball thrives because I think that every year we see a guy, not of the caliber of Soto because he's top ten, but every year we see a guy that casual fans know and that casual fans will like and that will like get them excited that he's got traded. In in basketball, it's we do see sometimes, you know, James Harden get traded for Ben Simmons or whatever. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, you know, you're trading a back-end starter for a back end starter, you're trading a sixth or seventh man for or a bench player, or a future pick or whatever, you know, but in baseball, it feels like there's at least one big splash every year that the casual baseball observer can rally behind and then kind of get reinvested into the sport for the last couple of months before the world series and, and the playoffs. So I would give it to baseball. I think it's just a more exciting trade line and, and more happens uh, and it happens, you know, just more frequently that big moves happen in basketball and football. There's outliers of course, but it doesn't feel like they have that big move to really punch you in the mouth every year the way baseball does.
0: Yeah, it's probably just a little bit easier to make trades in baseball because you got all these prospects you could pick from. They could just throw mm-hmm. into deals. Basketball, they just care about their picks so much. It's just a little you bit. You don't hard have to match
1: salaries in. either.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a huge one. Yeah, not matching salaries because I basically holds up most of those deals in basketball. So, yeah, I would say the baseball trade deadline is a little bit more exciting. I think a couple of seasons ago, the big prize from the NBA trade deadline was like Andre Drummond or something like that. So I would definitely say the baseball deadline is more interesting. Ryan Styles of Lockdown Royals breaking it down for us on the trade deadline. Emmanuel Rivera coming back to the D-backs and all that fun stuff. Where can the Lockdown Dimebacks listeners find you on social media and everywhere else?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Ryland_Styles styles and also follow the show on Twitter, anywhere you get your podcasts or YouTube or anywhere else on lockdown Royals. So check it out over there as well.
0: Yep. And for a lo- Yep. And for lockdown Royals, I created times 24 for my personal account or look up lockdown dimebacks on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all your podcasting platforms. Ryan, sir. Thank you for hopping on today. And I guess I'll catch you next time. That is the intro.